welcome back. Feels like weeks since we've done this. It I guess really it has does. Been. I feel Just like we longer. haven't seen each other in forever. No. It's a bummer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had a good week. I guess my, my bandmates have come out of their hobbit holes finally and we're returning to having band practice every Thursday night starting next week. So that feels really good for me. I'm happy about that. Okay. Flex those muscles. Yeah. I've been doing it well. I've been I've been flexing a little bit at home. I I tried to do 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, and 50 squats every weekday. Uh, which I feel like is an acceptable placeholder for going to the gym since the gym is shut down. But I think as soon as the gym opens back up, I'll be back to it. Yeah. Do you do them in sets or do you like do them throughout the day? Um, I do them in sets, I guess. Like, yeah, 50 in a row, but generally I do 10 and then take a little breather and then 10, take a little breather. So all in all, it takes me like, I don't know, 30 minutes to do everything. Mm. Yeah. I've been trying to do push-ups too. 50 a day, baby. Hell yeah. And doing a 30-minute hit workout, so. Oh, that's cool. Fuck yeah. I do, I do stuff like that at the gym. We do everything in that. Yeah, hell yeah. We're going to do a uh, quarantine hit workout session. All of us yeah. <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, you know, my gym does do like virtual workouts and stuff. I just choose not to participate. Are you talking about working out while you're eating chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was up really late last night. And I, I like feel like I want a little bit of a caffeine or, or like sugar burst at this moment while we're recording like get my brain mm. cycling you know my my sugar burst is this white claw i'm drinking heck yeah, yeah i got the ginger ale oh you're Jeez. doing it too baby oh yeah but it ain't alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> i'm guilty I, of that it, it doesn't matter to me what my neighbors do nothing ain't ain't nothing they do gonna irritate me so but really i'm sometimes it sounds like they're bowling upstairs and like the loud music i understand it's like okay they're listening to music they just turned it up the bowling sounds i've never understood what generates those sounds it literally sounds like a large ball hits the ground and then i hear a roll and then i hear a crash and i hear that like six or seven times in succession I have no concept what could produce that. Like, like it's got to be intentional <laughs> if it happens over and over and over again in succession. But like, what the fuck are you doing that does that makes that kind of noise? Yeah, that's a little odd. Unless they got like a practice set, practice bowling set. Well, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's like a grandma and her two adult daughters and their kids. So it's feasible that it could be like some children's toys of some sort, but the kids are really small. They're not like, I think they're like pre pre K age or maybe even younger. Okay. 
So I, I'm not sure just how like just how heavy duty are the toys that one plays with at that age. It's not like you're throwing them. Like if you were like in elementary school, I could see like maybe you have like a mini bowling ball or like a mini bowling set that you're playing with but like a fucking little like little little kid doesn't have the arm strength to pick something like that up they're not playing with anything that's that like has that much weight to it do you remember hercules i think i was his kid's name and he was this kid from i forget where he was from but he had long hair and he was super buff and he was on ripley's believe it or not and he was only like eight or nine and he was like, flex. He was like, and he was like deadlift shit. It was insane. This little eight, like little eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I want to be like that. Well, you keep doing them 50 push-ups every day. You'll get there. Oh, boy. <laughs> Not if I keep eating donuts. I'm doing like donuts. <laughs> I just oh my God, ate are two. Are they open? Are they open? Yeah, as of last week. Oh my gosh. Shit's opening back up for you guys. Well, Take me with you. All right, so they're, they, the thing is you got to order them in advance. So you got to order them like Thursday, Friday, and then you pick them up on the weekend. Uh, and then once wow. they sell out, that's it. Their coffee is delicious. They got really good coffee. Oh, All right. Taku Host Club, episode five. Jeff here. You have to keep going. No, that's it. That's it. Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) We also have two co-hosts here. Dan here, still the number one resident hater of everything except the stuff that I absolutely love and heap praise upon, regardless of how much everybody else dislikes it. Amelia here, a.k.a. Darling the Franks Lover, 596902. Um, lover of all trash, <laughs> including Game of Thrones. Yeah, I need a better slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff. Jeff here. How, how Jeff else here. are they going to announce you when you walk into a room? You know, yeah. when Amelia walks in, they're like, Amelia, lover of trash, supporter <laughs> of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Jeff. Just Jeff. Just Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Lover of donuts. Got it. That's it. There you go. There you go. That's all you need. Donut lover. The donut yeah, master. Yeah, like that. Like that. The stampede. Yeah, like that. Or uh, uh, what's his fucking name from One Piece? Um, Katakuri. Katakuri, yeah. He's I, my. my uh, I'm channeling my energy through him. My fat neck brother. Oh. I had a brutal work week that uh, had me work until midnight multiple nights this week and impacted my ability. Not that I didn't finish Ghost in the Shell, but it (laughs) impacted my schedule of watching anime. Mm. Um, My schedule of anime has been amazing this week. Normally, like... During quarantine, I've been like not wanting to watch as much anime mm-hmm. because I've not been wanting to sit and not do anything for like hours on end. But this week, man, I'm powering through everything. Hell yeah! What are you watching? Um, I finished High Score Girl. Oh hell two. yeah! How and was I, it? Oh, you're not gonna like it, Dan. But I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> 
like the last the the three episodes before the last episode were absolutely not necessary they were the worst i had i just skipped i skipped not the last three but the last two just to get to the end because it was like like i already knew what was gonna happen so is, is this the end of the story uh, I don't think so. I mean, they could do a sec- they could do a third season if like they wanted to. I'm not sure how far past what they've already animated is in the manga, but um, I, I thought the manga had completed already. Oh, is it completed? Yeah, I think. Okay, well, it, you know, if it's completed, then they wrapped it up. Word. This show is the manga is really old, isn't it? Nineties. Is it? Is it? I thought it was brand spanking new. Mm-mm. I don't think um, so. It's like, I mean, like classic Ono, she doesn't talk like at all. And like, there are moments when I'm like, just girl, like, come on. Like, can you say like five words? And then <laughs> Hidaka won't shut the fuck up. She just keeps talking. And I'm like, dude, stop talking it's like this like weird balance of like a character not talking enough and then this other character like talking way too much and i just want her to go away mm. and then they're fighting over yaguchi who like dude come on well we so we talked you and i talked a lot about season one when that came out mm-hmm. i was a huge fan i was a huge fan but then you didn't like season two I know, like, the last half of season two. It's, like, an erased moment where, like, you don't like the last episodes, but, you know. Word. Okay. Accept them for what they are. Interesting. I'm anxious to get around to watching it myself. Yeah. That and I've, um, My Hero Academia, I'm, like, catching up with. I didn't realize how many episodes were in the fourth season. Yeah. Like, 25 (laughs) or something, so. There's the same amount as was in season three. Really? I feel like there's only, well, I don't know. There were a lot. So I'm like, I'm like a quarter of the way through that. And then obviously the watch goes in the shell this week. And I watched the Arise um, OVAs, which, oh, we'll get into it. Yeah, let's dig into that in a little bit. We'll fucking get into it. Um, Yeah, I'm wrong. I I don't know why I thought this was an older concept. Maybe because the... uh, I mean, the game... place in the night, like the arcade units are 90s games yeah like the games that they're playing are really old which like now like in this current moment like you wouldn't have a street fighter 2 turbo tournament you would have a street fighter 5 tournament (laughs) and it would be at evo and it would be on espn but (laughs) it's just like a throwback to that yeah Mm -hmm. decade or whatever i think it's like it's like i really like parts of it and i really don't like parts of it okay the only but time I've watched it was watch. an Oticon. That was it. That was the premiere. And then I watched those episodes. I even have a poster. Do you guys get a poster from that? Oh, no. You got the poster and I was kind of jealous. I was like low-key jealous. <laughs> about I, that. Did, I did get a poster, but I felt like I gave it away or left it behind somewhere or something. I, I messed that up. It didn't make the move for it me. It did not. It definitely yeah. didn't. <laughs> for you, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely did not make the move for me. I do not have this poster right now. Oh, yeah, so I've been watching a lot of anime. What you've been nice. watching, Jeff? Um, I watched the first two episodes of Chihaya Furu. Oh, hell oh, yeah. Dan's excited hell about that. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I like those episodes. 
Um, what else have I been watching? I watched Pat Labor again today. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, nothing super new. Um, I have been keeping up with um, Sugumama. If you guys have seen that one. That's like a, um, this is yeah. not on my radar. It is uh, like an anime about um, like in Japan, there's this concept of if an item becomes really, really old, it then like turns into uh, like it can possess a per like person personal. No, that's not what I'm trying it gets to say. Personified. Yeah, it gets personified. It like comes to or life. Anthropomorphized. Anthropomorphized. Yeah. Whatever. And um, this boy. I forget his name, but the main character like has an OB from his mom who passed away and the OB then gets personified into this like super cute girl and um, the girl and the OB like give him powers to fight uh, like Amasogi, which is like when uh, a person gets like really upset about something and then it personifies like, like if a person gets like super upset because like their friend is doing way better than them and they're like both runners then like shoes will get personified as like amasogi and they'll like um attack or like put conditions on the person so like you won't run as fast you won't you know you'll have to work harder because the shoes have been like holding you back kind of thing um but they fight this like war between Amasogi and it's on on all these awful people that don't want to see their friends succeed, doesn't it? Yeah, people are <laughs> terrible. Is what the show is about. Yes, like <laughs> I, 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 I feel genuine joy when my friends succeed. I don't want them. I, I like it when my friends are doing better than me. I mean, yeah. their success doesn't really have any reflection on me. I'm, I'm on my own path in life and, and you know, their like success and girls, failure doesn't reflect on me. You know, they, they can't take it. They can't handle it. It man. is stick, It is set in a high school. So. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I think also that's like, I mean, I see that kind of mentality out of adults left, right and center. I'd say that, you know, with many, many people in life feel that way. That yeah. uh, They should do a mean girls anime adaption. Uh, Peach girl. Peach girl. Is that, <laughs> is that the equivalency? <laughs> They're really mean to each other, Peach girl. Uh, <laughs> I would love that because I also love Mean Girls, which like is a super dated movie now. If yeah. you've ever like, have you guys watched Mean Girls? Not that like you have. Oh well, yeah, I, I saw it when it came out for oh, sure. Uh, I love I that movie. It's so bad. <laughs> Is it? I don't remember. I remember it being really good. How is it dated at this point? In the moment, it was really good, you know, but like when you look back on it, you're like, oh my God, Lindsay Lohan and your wife, like what happened? (laughs) I still haven't watched all the way through. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's one of those things that I'm, that I wanted. So me and Kara are going to watch Clueless because she hasn't seen Clueless. And then we're going to watch Mean Girls. (laughs) I have not seen Mean Girls. Two classics, man. Yeah, that's a that's a good double feature right there. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh! Invite? Can I come up if I wear yeah. my mask? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Talk to Carrie about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come with a mask and gloves, and also a shield. <laughs> yeah, bring it all. Man, there's a you know there's not a whole lot of stuff out now that I've been watching, but there's a ton of stuff that's coming out soon that 
I'm looking forward to, even though there's delays. Um, like Dora Hedro. Yeah, oh, I'm excited yeah. about that too. I'm I'm also yeah. thinking that we ought to do an episode on that. I agree. Baki Part Three. That's in June. Oh shit. Um, Japan sinks. I don't know too much about this show. Um, but apparently, it's got it's directed by it's a Yuasa what? show. Japan sinks 2020. Oh yeah, I did read that. I did read that. Okay. Um, I didn't get any farther than reading that. But he's also on a kids show too. He's done a kids show so mm. in between Devilman Crybaby and now. Keep that on the radar. So it might be a kid. Is it a kid's show? Uh, Pacific Rim anime. Oh, Pacific Rim the anime. Yeah. Why are they, a, why are they making that. a Pacific Rim anime? Why not, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> because Pacific Rim 2 was a disaster. That's why not. <laughs> it's probably going to be an Aramaki sh- movie or series or something. Who knows? What have you been watching, Dan? So I am I am still watching the things that I was watching last time around because they were long ass series. I was hoping to have them totally completed by today, but I'm a little behind track uh, because of my work week. So I have maybe six or seven episodes of Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam left. That is actually my boss's um, favorite Gundam series, Billy. Interesting. Yeah, so favorite. yeah, as I approach the end, I have kind of come to terms with the idea that it doesn't matter. Like, there is no logical connection as to how people use the giant, the Gundams, and the giant robots. It's just the good guys always use the Gundams, and the bad guys always use the other, the not Gundam giant robots, uh, and. That that has like irked me for this whole time as to like why are suddenly these space noid people using the Gundams and then the Zaku that's it and then why why is the Feder why are the Fetty people suddenly using Zaku's but it eventually dawned on me as I start to finish the show that oh it's just that the good guys always use the Gundams because they're good and the Gundams are good. And the mm-hmm. bad guys always use the Zaku's because they're bad and the Zaku's are bad. And it's not really a question of the Fetties use the Gundams and the Xeon use the Zaku's. It's the good guys no. use the Gundams and the, no. It's be- no, I agree. It becomes less oh. clear cut in that they're just tools of war. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But I use using what? But uh, well, to me, to me, it does matter. And so far as mm. like, it's not like the American military is using like Soviet tanks or something, <laughs> you know. Like, it, you, you, when when these countries develop this technology, you yeah. know, it's their technology that they utilize, and they don't have access to their opponents' technology and industry. So it doesn't make intuitive sense to me why the well, why you know the Zaku's and Gundams are suddenly crossing over. But yeah, now I I've come to terms with it. This isn't supposed to make any sense anyway. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, well, let's say like let's say an enemy to, uh, mobile suit is captured. To me, I would I, that's kind of how I saw it. Okay, we capture their mobile suit. We're gonna modify it and mass produce because we we found their 
I don't know. I feel like I make so uh, that that makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm sorry to nitpick on this. <laughs> that makes sense to me for one or two. Like if you capture a Zaku, then yeah, you would uh, you know retool the the um, you know the IFF code and and you know connect it to your systems and utilize it. And that would hold true for like any number of Zaku's, but that doesn't decrease the number of Gundams that you have. And it is unlikely that you're going to capture like an entire fleet of, of Zaku's or like a right. store storage space full of Zaku's, you know, by the, by the, you know, by not definitely not by the hundreds and probably not even by the tens, you know, unless you really get lucky. And even if you capture these things, you're not going to reverse engineer it to, mm. uh, to utilize it and, and manufacture your own unless their technology was just categorically better than yours, in which case yeah. they would still be using it. Then everybody would be using the same damn thing, you know, because you it's the best one. Well, the Titans, right? You're talking, you're referring to the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Titan, the Titans are an arm of the Fetties. They're they're like a a like militant offshoot of the Fetties. Right. And so this is yeah. I I have enjoyed you know my my you know time with Zeta Gundam, and I like the various emotional dynamics. I like all the you know I like the slapping. I like the <laughs> recreation between uh, Fa and Camille, mm-hmm. uh, but. What like what the hell is going on in the UC timeline? I I've struggled with the sense that none of these things connect to each other in a reasonable way, and it's different than kind of these immersive worlds like One Piece or Legend of the Galactic Heroes, where feasibly you could create a timeline where certain key events happen on this timeline that whose whose effects reverberate throughout this timeline and they're mm-hmm. referenced back to, and you could draw a map that you know has different areas and different you know parties and clearly track the the uh location and the progress of our characters and that that's just not possible with gundam as a universe like each of these little snapshots uh are just completely unrelated to each other as far as i can tell i could not draw you a map of where all these colonies are or like w- how they are related to each other. I have no concept of, you know, what what exactly are the key events that have happened in the UC timeline and what were their effects? Like, mm-hmm. it seems like the one year war was going on up until Stardust Memory until now we're in Zeta Gundam and suddenly it's not going on anymore. But like, what, what happened? You know, like, okay, like the Fetties seem to have won, but like, what was the decisive moment that caused them to win or like what, you know, what is the historical moment that, that this occurred? Mm-hmm. Like what were the key parts of this, this war that generated this kind of outcome? And that, that lack of kind of continue continuity and, and congruentness uh-huh. throughout the Gundam franchise, it, it just makes it, it makes it very frustrating for me to to process. It's like very much the opposite of how I like to enjoy shows and kind of immerse myself in universes. And that has really been hitting me as I as I finish up Zeta Gundam. Uh, but also I feel like Zeta Gundam has clearly laid the groundwork for so many things that I like. 
Mm-hmm. And the more that I, as I yeah finish it up, I feel like I see much more influence. Like Eureka Seven has little kids because Zeta Gundam has little kids. You know, I mm-hmm. see more lines to be drawn from Zeta Gundam as as this influential show. So that's been kind of interesting. Uh, also, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but as much as Gundam is into slaps, Gundam is also really into people taking off. And I think that's a very <laughs> underrated style part of this Hashin. show. Yeah. Like, like when they let launch off the, the, the end of the boat. You know, yeah, the, the, first, the first Gundam is the first Gundam series is so into people taking off. And Zeta Gundam... <laughs> continues with that where like every time someone deploys they have their own unique little clip where they're sitting in the cockpit going you know camille in zeta gundam taking off now and then Mm -hmm. you see them take off and you see the the um action lines from the g-force he's going back and Mm. his gundam shoots off the the spaceship and then they go over to the next you know five in the big yellow gundam taking off now and then they he takes (laughs) off and every character gets that you know uh so that's kind of interesting to me yeah they really emphasize that more in different in different series later on Mm. um and they get you know you'll have like the sort of the comic uh, orientation, you mm-hmm. know, where you have just the image of them in the cockpit, like you said. And then it'll be another person on the opposite side of the screen that has the same sort of cross uh, composition and it's just them in the cockpit. But yeah, that's, that's interesting you say that. Um, yeah, and I, so the thing that resonates with me the most in, in that kind of way is big text, which I think we've talked about before. They do that a lot in Gurren Lagann and a little bit with Kill a Kill as well. And in Promare, when there's big text on the screen, that's that's what gets my juices flowing. Oh, and I, I have to imagine, text. yeah, big text, mm-hmm. very Oh important. man, so and, important. Yeah, and I have to feel like, I, I have to imagine that the taking off generates to the guy in charge of Gundam and to many Gundam fans, the same feeling the big text generates in me. The last thing I want to say about Gundam, uh, as far as continuity goes, I think Mm -hmm. the, uh, so there's origin, the OVAs, and then there's Mm -hmm. the manga that it's based off of. The the manga is the most uh, concise and and in terms of like storytelling, Mm. it it really, it feels, the, the continuity of that feels much stronger. And it's, and I think because it's done by one person, Maybe that's the problem. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Yasuhiko Yakihakazu, I think is his how, name. Yeah. He how wrote much that story. Gundam? How much Gundam manga is there in comparison to Gundam anime? Because I and I, I ask that in the sense that I I was kind of always under the impression that Gundam was more or less an anime franchise and if the manga existed for any of this stuff it was just an afterthought it was like manga based on the anime rather than the other way around uh is that accurate or not accurate i think there's more shows more tv shows and movies and stuff word the manga stuff is there's definitely some some manga that hasn't even been adapted yet Hmm. um thunderbolt was adapted um, the origin was written after the fact. 
and I've only have I've only read a couple of volumes of that, but it's so good. It's I would almost I would almost say <laughs> don't even watch the original <laughs> TV series. <laughs> just read yeah. the manga. Just read the origin. It's right. that good. Anyway. So I am also five episodes away from finishing 12 Kingdoms. And this show did not get any better since the last time we talked about it. That's a shame. Uh, Jeff, I would say, since you had paused on watching it, I would say don't even bother to restart. This is not that good. I watched two episodes last night, and I was like, what has happened? What has happened in this show? Why am I watching this right now? Yeah, the show is pointless in a very awkward way to me and i have to wonder and i i you know i went into this having no prior knowledge of 12 kingdoms or what it's about right uh this really feels like an anime that is based on a novel series or a role-playing game or like yep it is Mm -hmm. because really novel series okay this anime definitely feels like a collection of short stories pertaining to this world of the 12 kingdoms that you are just supposed to inherently care about and have an interest in. And it doesn't, you know, the show doesn't really need to justify why it is you would find these things interesting or why you're supposed to care about any of this stuff. Uh, Cause I, I, yeah, I, it boggles my mind as to like, what is the fucking point of any of this? <laughs> like you, if you were watching this, then you clearly must already care about, this franchise and i i've just never heard of this franchise before so i i don't care about it at all and the show felt like man this is really just like clearly i'm not the target audience audience for this when i was getting new type usa they used to have you know they used to have dvd samplers mm-hmm. they had an episode of this show on a dvd sampler and it oh. was like oh okay it looks kind of cool and then i heard about it someone from somebody and suggested it I, and I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a shot because why not, right? And I agree. It's like, what's the motivation? Why Why should you care? And 45 episodes? And yeah. 20, and we're halfway through and I'm, I'm just not seeing. Yeah. Like what I simply don't understand what is the point of half the characters on the screen like what why like their stories just seem to go nowhere and say mm-hmm. nothing and i don't understand why they were even <clears throat> introduced or like what was the purpose of creating this story anyway uh the the plot jumps around and i'm you know and i'm thinking specifically of like like for example um yoko's friend the the woman that you know the young woman that early on goes to the 12 kingdoms with Yoko and Asano and she's like, Oh, you know, she, she kind of goes nuts. Right. And breaks away from Yoko and Asano and tries to kill Yoko and then reconciles with Yoko and gets sent back to the, to our world and like, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, that all makes sense. And then the next story arc has nothing to do with Yoko or Asano and is kind of loosely revolving around this girl as she you know in our world as she relates to another character that is introduced to us who you know is from the 12 kingdoms but got stuck in our world by accident 
And that plot just kind of goes nowhere and has nothing to do with anything else in the series. And I was kind of like, like, why, why is this being shown to me? Like, what are you trying to communicate to me? Or like, Mm -hmm. is this supposed to be building the world? Because I don't see this as some great world building expose. And, you know, for like a character, is this supposed to be like a character kind of story? Because, I don't give a fuck about any of these characters and I don't understand why, why I would or like, what, what does it matter to the grander scheme of things? What happens to them? Uh, and I, it's a shame because I do think that the show has potential. I, in so far as if this show decided what it was specifically trying to do and utilized its characters effectively to do it, you know, I think this could be like a very interesting character-driven journey about how Yoko becomes the queen of K or like, you know, how Yoko becomes the queen of K. And then, you know, the, the longest of these little story arcs deals with um, this kind of political intrigue and, and corruption and revolution in K that, that Yoko gets involved with. And that all seems like, wow, okay, that, that could be pretty interesting if only it wasn't watered down with the side story of these two other random characters that are introduced to us that like, who are these people and what, like, I don't care about their journeys really, or like, why, why am I being shown this and how does it relate to any kind of more central plot? But then that's the point. There is no grand central plot. There's like, not really a story being told. It's just these little snapshots. It's crazy to me. It's got 33,000 votes on anime list. And it's like an 8.8? Really? That's what I'm saying. Everything that you've been saying about it, like definitely I don't feel like... (laughs) And on Crunchyroll, it's got a 4.9, but it's only 20 votes. So people... It's People probably like the kind show. of like I feel like it might maybe it's like the Monogatari series where like where you read the light novels and you're super invested in the characters, so you watch exactly. the anime and there's a shit ton of like things that have been adapted from the light novel series into this anime. That's the only thing I can think of. Right. Yeah. I, that, that I don't show. hate it. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate the show by any means. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't hate it either. Mm-hmm. I uh, just felt like. Okay, now that I've felt like <laughs> never again will I need to revisit this show. You know, it was not. You can't recommend it. No, I would not recommend it. Right. It's not particularly enjoyable or or interesting. And I I agree with Amelia that this must be people that read the books and were just happy to see it brought to life. Although I I can't imagine that. I mean, the books must be pretty interesting because if the books are just what I've seen on this TV show, those books are fucking boring too. <laughs> But I'm I but I do I do want to I don't want to sully the name of Monogatari right because yeah no the, I mean there were it's Monogatari has like an eight point three on my anime list but there are also four hundred and sixty one thousand users who thought that so it's not even like comparable I think yeah because Mono, there are way more people I I've never read any of the Monogatari books but those TV shows are brilliant. And they uh, yeah. are they're absolutely incredible i feel like i feel like the anime adaptations are 100 percent fulfilling and i don't feel like i need to read maybe yeah. there's like more to the light novels but i'm i would i'm not a reader i would get put to sleep 
Um, so I, I enjoy the moving picture. Way yeah. more. I am also about halfway, a little over halfway through Space Brothers right now. And it has definitely given me the compelling emotional bits that I was looking for. Uh, I've gotten, I actually kind of stumbled into the, the little arc of Hibito on the moon and he gets in his accident and has to survive with his, uh, with his compatriot and um, Brian comes and saves him at the very last moment as he's dying. And mm that that gave me the uh the hard hitting gripping emotion that i was looking for when i when i started uh that string of episodes i couldn't stop i was i was like there goes my day i got to watch the next 10 episodes of this shit to see what happens next i was thoroughly um engrossed in that uh, so that was really really great uh, i can't remember where i left off on this show i think it might have been yeah it the Brian Brian saving Hibito at the last second was fucking amazing. I thought that was really great. But I will say that in the you know as, as this show always gets compared to Planetes, in the very specific scenes where people are asphyxiating in their spacesuits in a very dramatic fashion and they're about to die, I still give the edge to Planetes. I'm sorry, but Tanabe I asphyxiating in her spacesuit was still more emotionally intense and scarring than Hibito about to asphyxiate in his spacesuit. If you've seen any of these shows and you want to tell us that we suck and we're wrong, let us know. Go to our website and... Our Discord link will be on our website. Yes, soon enough. We're working on that. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, because we need feedback right now. We are shit talkers and we need someone to put us in our place. <laughs> yeah, is somebody going to tell me they prefer Hibito asphyxiating his spacesuit over Tanabe Eye asphyxiating in her spacesuit? Because I could accept, I could accept that. I kinda, yeah, I kind of feel like it, that, might, that might just trickle down to which one you saw first, you know? And what are, yeah, I don't know how many other moments of people asphyxiating in their spacesuits there are in anime. <laughs> might be a narrow category here <laughs> but maybe there's a sleeper number one that i just haven't seen yet was that uh katsuhiro otomo ova series about being in space you know what i'm talking about there was an ova i believe or a movie series by katsuhiro otomo who did akira and it was like a three or four part show and it was set in space and hmm. it wasn't that great but because you know it's from the creator of akira it was it got a lot of attention when it came out just trying to remember what it was called this is not memories no no memories that was, that was a short Right. That was a collection of three short films, right? If I remember correctly, one of which took place in. Did you make it up in your head, Jeffy? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's one of the short films of memories that you're thinking of. Or maybe he didn't actually direct it. That could be. Space. Well, while Jeffrey finds out that information, 
Let's give a shout out to Otaku Melancholy Podcast who gave us a shout out in their recent episode. If you came over to listen to our podcast from their shout out, thank you so much. Uh, If you are listening to our podcast and you haven't checked them out, I don't know why that would be, but go check them out. They're very funny stand-up guys. If you are listening, Umaru rules! (laughs) Yeah, since since uh, this got brought up, I listened to their episode about Beastars, and I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> they really are a pretty funny couple of guys. <laughs> I'm not a furry, but... Legoshi <laughs> 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 was hot, baby. Take a drink. <laughs> Speaking of that podcast, we might do a episode with them. Might be joining them. Yeah, I hope so. I want to. Kiss X. Kiss X. Kiss. Kiss this, y'all. If y'all haven't seen this. (laughs) Kiss X. Sis. We've been talking about really nice, great, wonderful anime on this podcast. And, um, you know, let's just bring out the trashier side of anime. I'm so excited. Bring it down to my world. Yeah, I'm ready to dig into Kiss X. Sis. (laughs) We're doing it. Um, I, I, in my torrenting days, um, Kiss Sis was like one of those anime that I like downloaded pretty early on in my anime watching journey. Oh, <laughs> and, okay. Oh boy, did I not know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that I was downloading it when the OVAs were being released. So they would be like one OVA every like few months. And, um, the OVAs, they, they lewd. They they really they lewd. Oh shit! Yeah, I'll have to get some fans to yeah, pull myself yeah. off. <laughs> when the steam starts coming out of my ears, I'll have to take out my little earbuds. Yeah, I'm excited! Yeah. I'm so excited. I've seen it. I I've seen the first like three OVAs. I don't know what everybody's in for, and I just like hmm. cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, I guess I don't really spend that much time watching raunchy anime. I think the raunchiest thing I've I really dug into was The Legend of the Overfiend, which in my eyes has more to do with its historical significance as being, you know, the entrance of tentacles and demons into uh hentai and and second, you know, anime sexuality more so yeah. than like I'm really looking to jerk off or something. You know, I torrented an episode of Naruto that I thought was an episode of Naruto, and instead <laughs> it was some tentacle porn. So, like, my journey into that happened early on. <laughs> Very early on. Damn, Naruto said that Naruto's clone jutsu really. <laughs> Well, really making some oh kind of clone no. there. You can't you can't top Dragon Ball Z and the Seven Balls, man. Or was it oh, Sailor yeah, Moon and the true. Seven Balls? Sailor Moon or Dragon? Yeah, I can't remember. Someone Seven Balls. Ooh, epic stuff. <laughs> yeah, but of of the of the hentai that we watched at that Otakon panel, the one that has always stuck with me was the guy, the guy that was pretending to be a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> so that that girl would like sit on him, and they were like having sex while he was a bicycle. Or <laughs> I can like kind of picture it in my mind. It's like, man, that is that is some truly thought provoking stuff, you know. <laughs> I love that uh, panel. 
Um, I love watching hentai with other people at Otakon. It's entertaining. It's- yeah, I like I- watching people walk out <laughs> at what they get offended by. Because they're weak. <laughs> weak they're of weak constitution. Yeah. Weak, they're weak minds. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. In my eyes, that's the like. I I would not. I mean, I don't watch stuff like that on my own because I don't find it particularly enjoyable. (laughs) But I I would yeah like uh, for me, I I would find the enjoyment in that watching that in a group of other people so we can all laugh about it together. Mm. That that is the context that that would be entertaining for me. So I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I also like those Otakon panels are the highlight of the panels. Oh yeah. Uh, the show I was talking about is called Freedom Project. FYI, <laughs> Word. Uh, it was around, not yeah. directed by Mr. Otomo, but by Shuhei Morita. Shuhei. <laughs> Shuhei. But he did. All right. So he designed a lot of the characters, and uh, he was commissioned to do it. So. And seven-part OVA takes place in space. Watch that, Dan. Tell me if anyone becomes asphyxiated in that suit. Get back to me on <laughs> okay. that. All right. Anything uh, else? Should, should we make our way into the, uh, Ghost in the Shell? I feel like yeah. We're let's, for a let's talk about Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> Not about Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> I want to start with each of our prior experiences with Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. But I think it goes without saying that I fucking hated the new Netflix show. I hated it so much. <laughs> I, so I, I want to start. I want to start. Let me let me read back the text that I sent you guys at one in the morning when I started watching this. And we <laughs> ought to we ought to overlay some dramatic, tense music underneath this. Let me see if I can find these text messages. And I, you know, no matter no matter how hard I I rail on this thing, it's not like I know anybody personally that worked on this stuff. So no matter what I say, I I wish no, I feel no ill will towards any of these individuals, and and I wish them all the best. And I'm sure they're a lovely collection of individuals um, that are more artistically talented with the visual arts than I'm going to. Be. Um, So it was, yeah, this was at one in the morning. I texted you guys. I watched Ghost in the Shell episode one. I'm in pain. It hurts. My soul hurts. I mean, I'm going to watch it all, but also I don't know if I can watch this. It's so awful that I find it offensive (laughs) and honestly just despicable. This is the worst Sega Dreamcast game I've ever had the misfortune of watching a playthrough. Whoever allowed this monstrosity to happen is basically public enemy number one of anime. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. Uh, That's it. Podcast. That's the That's review. My throat. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. <laughs> okay, so I so I started my journey with Ghost in the Shell when I was in high school i rented the original movie on dvd from blockbuster and i thought that was great i was into it i actually watched it with my parents 
Uh, my parents were keen on it because my cousin was also a fan of the show and he had uh, my cousin being a bit bit older than me and, and he had kind of hyped it up to my parents um, and it fell under the purview of stuff that I'm into as well. So we watched it as a family and, and uh, all three of us found it really interesting and enjoyable. And we talked about the themes and whatnot. It was, it was cool. And this is uh, the original movie, right? This is the original movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw Ghost in the Shell Innocence uh, at some point along the way. And I don't really remember that so clearly, but I'm sure that that was I me. Mean, I didn't, I didn't not like it. Uh, what really captured me about ghost in the shell was the original television show when it was running on adult swim and it was part of their Saturday night anime block. And that took ghost in the shell to a whole new level for me. And we'll talk more about the original show as this discussion goes on, but the, the show standalone complex and second gig is one of my top 10 anime shows of all time period. I absolutely fucking adore it. And I think it is so meaningfully better than the original movie. And it really is just the ultimate, this is the penultimate expression and part of, you know, of Ghost in the Shell, representation of Ghost in the Shell to me. Um, and I yeah, have watched that series many, many times, own it on DVD. I always keep going back to it. I never get tired of it. I have introduced it to many friends, to my coworkers, to many other people in my life. Cause I'm, I really think this is a show that anybody could watch and find interesting and enjoyable. And yeah, I feel exactly the opposite about the Netflix show now that I've seen it. Um, yeah. So how, so w w how did you guys come into ghost in the shell? Have you seen much of it prior to this Netflix one? Um, so for me, like, I definitely watched the movie, probably not, like, when it was out, but, like, soon after I had gotten into anime. Um, and I feel like I rewatch it a lot. Me and Steven usually, like, that's, like, one that we, like, keep going back to as, like, a pretty iconic uh, movie. Yeah, and, it's a classic for sure. Yeah, I, um, but I have seen Standalone Complex. I've seen the first, like, few episodes but that didn't grip me as much as the movie did but I think that's just because like the movies what I saw first and usually like that like whatever is my introduction to a franchise like whether it be a movie or an OVA or like a series like that's usually what I go off of as far as like liking it or not liking it um and after after I watched those few episodes, I couldn't really get into it. So I didn't really like push any further. Um, but recently, obviously I've watched the, Net the Netflix one and I've watched um, the Arise OVAs, which are fucking shit. And I don't understand why they are even a thing. Kusanagi talks way too much and she's in a relationship and I don't understand what they even thought like why is this a thing <laughs> yeah i also watched ghost in the shell arise when it came out i also did not like it although <laughs> i liked it more than this thing that we all watched but yeah still arise did not sit very well for me either. and then i i feel like i'm like the worst ghost in the shell fan because <laughs> i really liked the live action like hollywood <laughs> Um, I thought it was really good. I really loved like seeing like the characters that are so iconic from the movie, like in 
like almost like 3D. Basically, we saw the movie in 3D, and there was literally no one in the theater, and I was so sad because I was like so Damn. excited for this movie in 3D and for it to come to life. Um, but I didn't hate the Netflix version like at all. Like I thought it was like kind of good. I'm into it. I'm a slut for bad 3D. <laughs> okay, like. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout it to the world, you know. Okay, Jeff, Jeff, where are you at with all this? How did, how did um, you come into Ghost in the Shell? Similar to you, Dan, uh, rented it on VHS. I own a copy of it on VHS, and watched it because it was supposed to be, you know, pinnacle of Japanese animation. Right? Everyone's got to watch this show, this movie, along with Akira and other shows. Um, so yeah, I watched it. Um, Watched it a couple times. Second, second, third time I watched it, wasn't as thrilled with it. I was like, okay, this is good. I like it. And then when I watched Innocence, I thought I liked that more than the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and what drew me to Innocence was this, was the pacing and like the atmosphere and the environments that um, that uh, Momo Oshi created and i think that is the big difference between the movies and everything else in the franchise right is who's directing it who's writing it and and you gotta remember too like the manga was was created in the 80s so it's like a decade before the original movie was even created um and then also like you i watched you know i watched um standalone complex on cartoon network and didn't follow it episode by episode, so it was a little confusing. As a matter of fact, I'm going back and watching that now. And I already like it beyond, beyond uh, this new Netflix series. So I'll get that out of the way. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's got a soft spot in most like cyberpunk fans. If you like cyberpunk, this show is, you know, it's up there. It's, it's important. Yeah, and I well, yeah. The original movie is, is just a straight up classic, mm-hmm. any way you cut it. And I feel like many, I feel like it transcends the idea of just being an anime classic, and it is just a classic movie in the sense that people that are into movies as a form of media also are watching this movie and own the DVD of it and shit because this is, yeah, I mean, it's a classic of of the form. Uh, uh, and the older I get, the less interest I really have in movies as a, a form. Uh, I own Ghost in the Shell on DVD, but I never feel the. I never feel compelled to watch it. I think the last time I watched it, I fell asleep like halfway through. It's very slow. Yeah, it's very and slow I feel like that's that's not really a a judgment on the movie as much mm-hmm. as like my own taste and and where I'm at. Because uh, the movie is really great cinematography, soundtrack, vibe, and atmosphere is really thematically interesting. Uh, but yeah, it is very slow, methodical. It is very, it's hard for me to imagine. Like after you've seen the TV shows, it's yeah. really hard to go back to the movie version of, of these people. Like the TV shows, you know, Standalone Complex and Second Gig are so fully brought to life and these characters are so full of personality and they're they have very dynamic relationships and they have uh very nuanced relationships 
and in, it's not that ghost it's not that the tv show transforms ghost in the shell into this character driven piece because it's not a character driven story in my opinion but it is that the show feels so much more alive for having better fleshed out characterization and the movie feels very very sterile and lifeless for lacking that level of character writing and it's it's just hard to go back to the movie after that because you're kind of like man like where's the camaraderie like who are these people they're like weird one-dimensional versions of themselves and um have any of you have watched either Appleseed, Dominion Tank Police? Yes, watched it when I was younger, but I don't remember it that clearly. Okay. No. I mean, military genre isn't really my thing. I don't get, I don't get excited as soon as I hear like lots of like code words and like orders. I'm just like already drowned out. <laughs> yeah, I'm already done. <laughs> well, I was, which is why i feel like i gravitate towards the movie more because it does build the world of ghost in the shell it creates a vibe it creates its own atmosphere and it's like a place that like i want to be yeah i was thinking about you amelia because last night this is why i was up so late last night i i rewatched the first uh, six or seven episodes of ghost in the shell standalone complex so I could have that fresh in my mind as I compare it to the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. And it's true that that standalone complex and second gig has a lot of, as we described in last episode, people sitting in a room talking to each other and the background music is kind of more dramatic than the way these people talk to each other, mm-hmm. uh, which we have identified as like, that's the kind of thing that I'm really into, <laughs> kind of thing that you're not into at all. Super not into. Yeah, it made me feel like, <laughs> oh, you know, now I understand a little bit better why Amelia wouldn't like this. Yeah, I just like, uh, my brain is just like, nope, can't compute. <laughs> so those are words I don't understand the sequence that they are happening in. And you, so you did not, you, you did not like Arise either. So what did you not no. like about Arise? I mean, I mean, Kusanagi's hair is super short, super blue. Okay, first it's off, cute. the an- like the animation of her like in action is so rudimentary. It's like not even comparable to anything else I've seen her in. Mm-hmm. Like I know I just watched like a three D rendering of her, but like even going back, like I'm like before the podcast was happening. Um, in the few minutes that I had, I'm like rewatching the movie without sound, and like even then, like. She's amazing. And Arise was not it for that, <laughs> like, at all. Her character design, I completely, like, just, like, blanked out because it was so rudimentary in its art style. Um, and I don't know. Yeah. I didn't – so what I didn't like it was – I did not like the – like, how these characters were represented in Arise – and I understand the idea of like, oh, you want to do like a new interpretation of things and mm-hmm. you know have a, a new version. Okay, I can accept that. That doesn't, uh, I still don't want to see the major as a bratty teenager. I don't want yeah. to see Pazu as this like weird bum, <laughs> you know. I don't like. Couch. Like it. It did not, yeah, it did not. Absolutely not. Like, why are you talking so much? You're like bratty. You're worried about money. Like, 
I'm done with you already. They try to popularize it. For for a certain audience, it's probably what it was, target audience, you know? I'm sure. You think so? I think so. Maybe they're trying to like break it out to a new audience. I feel like they're doing, I feel like the Arise series is doing the same thing as like the 3D series is doing. They're trying to like reinvent her as a character to make her more relatable and to make her, you know, to make other people get into the series that wouldn't normally get into the series. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the 3d series. And I want to talk about that specifically because when this show was announced, it was my understanding that it was the same writers as standalone complex and second gig. And it was Mm. supposed to be a sequel to second gig, or at least take place in the same timeline and, and universe. It was an extension of that show. And I was overjoyed. I was so excited. I was like, oh, they're my favorite, like the people responsible for creating, you know, my t- one of my top 10 shows coming back for a new, like, this is going to be fucking amazing. Like, this is going to mm. be incredible. This is it's what not, I want. I'm, is it not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and the, the writing in this is like everything about it is so fucking bad really i, I, like I don't think the writing i don't think words. the storytelling in this one is as bad oh uh, i i the storytelling is fucking terrible as a rise, as a rise well like, okay i don't I, give a shit well, about anything in a rise but like at least and at least i'm invested in this post-human like situation that they're doing oh with. dude see i i felt i felt exactly the opposite <laughs> i was like the fuck is up like the fuck is up with this weird like superhuman <laughs> like metaphysical bizarro no i totally like, that's not get ghost it. in the shell at all like ghost in the shell like standalone complex and second gig and and i guess yeah for the purposes of our conversation i will refer to st- standalone complex and second gig jointly as the original tv show so okay. i can stop parsing my words all the time but the original tv show is about you know political intrigue and you know there's like this kind of thriller element to it and you know there there's action as well but it's is really about like the politics and the the kind of weird tense uh political dynamics that are going on and how this plays out for you know section nine's involvement in this much larger web of like weird political back dealings and corruption and at no point like this is the the post-human thing is just this like very weird like superhuman nebulous like oh for some reason these people get a big fever for a couple of days and then when they come back they're doing like 50,000 naked backflips in a row up a staircase <laughs> I mean, I hated and like it. I dancing hated around in the bathroom I hated, I hated everything about it I, I hated, hated it. that sequence like what the fuck was happening what the but fuck like, yeah why are there so many people in their underwear and a gun <laughs> and a fucking ghost in the shell tv show ghost in the shell is serious business they Okay, Ain't nobody but, ever doing that, man. That's <laughs> fucked up. But everything that you just described, so like this, like over political, like back dealings between the countries. Yeah. Like the yeah. cyber brain situation. Yeah, that's like, the good I shit. Can, I can totally see all of those things in the new Netflix series, but they're just like maybe not from they're not like the standalone complex politics. So like, yeah, you've got the war between Japan and America. You've got like. The cy- I get I totally get the cyber brain like yeah like, like what do you call that metamorphosizing into something like crazy like a sickness that would make people like crazy insanely like strong and stuff like that and I totally get 
where they're coming from with this telling that story because it uh, to me that seems like the next I mean I haven't I haven't seen standalone complex in the entirety that you guys have but I'm I'm just thinking like mm. I can totally see that in a world where cyber brains exist where people are like mostly android and out of robotic parts and I can totally see someone like hacking into stuff like that and like making you go crazy and you can't even do anything about it because it's a cyber brain it's on the internet it's always connected yeah so when you say it like that I do acknowledge I mean it's true that there is a level of political intrigue that is there in this show I think it's just not as well crafted and as interestingly presented as it is in the original TV show. Mm -hmm. But it's true that they do couch this in a broader sense of, um, yeah, kind of the political swing and sway of like, oh, now we have an American born prime minister of Japan, but is he really a puppet of America? And like, what's mm -hmm. up with the secret, you know, with the FBI going all or CIA going up on, on this shit. And yeah. And like the agency. Agent Smith. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Smith. Fucking yeah. Mr. John fucking Smith. Are you joking? Yeah, they Are totally ripped that. Though? Are you joking though? <laughs> like, I hate, I hate that character and I hate that name. I hate everything that he embodies. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So while we're talking about characters, <laughs> what the fuck is up with clown? And what the fuck is up with the pink haired girl? And the clown. I love the pink haired girl. Oh, Perrin is fucking, yeah. Perrin is my Girl, I love her. Um, she loves Bato as much as I do. Like, Bato can fucking get it. Come over here, please. I, I thought the characters, they're pretty consistent. I thought they, was, they were indicative. Like, their their actions for the most part, for the most yeah. part. I, like, I disagree 100%. Series to the next. No, I feel, like, I feel like Kusanagi in this series, like, it, you can get a more sense of, like, her, like, views on society, her like justice system and like how she interacts with everyone on her team more than I feel like in the original movie in the original movie I feel like she was just like kind of like a I'm not talking blob and like I'm super serious all the time where in the new Netflix series you can see like not from her specifically but from like Bato and uh Togasa like that she really does actually care about people and she's not just like this robotic like cyber brain. Yes. And just a mouthpiece. So, and I, I, I agree that this has a more fleshed out team than the movie, but again, like you gotta, you gotta watch the original TV shows. The original I TV show Dan. is the ultimate <laughs> representation of these people as a fleshed out team. And that's what I didn't like. I felt like, again, this, this Netflix show portrays these people in this like weird one dimensional way where they're like just weird carbon cutouts moving around, going through the plot in comparison to in the original TV show when they're like, you know, they pat each other on the back and they laugh at each other's jokes and they like talk to each other as if they're coworkers and they joke around a little bit or like talk about their work in right. various ways. And they are given this screen time and this kind of breathing space to have these interactions while also you know, that doesn't encroach on the plot and their action, you know, their, their action sequences and their ability to, you know, investigate and talk about the story and their casework and whatnot. And the, the show, the original show is, is just so well balanced and well written in that way. And yeah, the new Netflix one doesn't 
capture any of that at all. And, and as we talk about the writing and, and how the writing has changed, I, I was also thinking about this as I rewatched the original TV show. You know, the the original TV show does a great job, is, is similar to like Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo style things, or like half the show deals with the main plot and the other half are just one-off episodes. And you re- that works really well in the original show you know, and like Cowboy Bebop and shit, that works really well because they're just kind of going about their lives and their lives, you know, this main plot takes time to come together. That works equally well with the original Ghost in the Shell show where like, you know, they're police officers, special kind of police officers, but basically they're, they're police officers and they do their police thing, which sometimes involves working on the big case that takes many months and takes time to kind of develop and things to occur while concurrently they also like are doing other projects and going off on different tangents and kind of going about their daily lives in in various ways the original this new netflix show doesn't have any of that kind of writing it doesn't portray anything like that everything is centered around the main plot and yeah, like the original show does such a great job. Like in the original show, you know, you can watch it kind of one episode at a time and each episode, even the main plot episodes are kind of encapsulated with each other. There's only various, a couple points throughout the 50 episodes where episodes like really go from one straight into the other or like really necessitate some level of like, you got to watch this in quick succession because everything is happening over and, you know, stacked on top of each other uh and the new show yeah definitely not like that every you know they just stop in the middle of an action sequence and then pick back up the next episode from that point and everything is just like in this straight line that just feels very uh it feels very narrow to me it's like a very like a narrow portrayal of these people do you think that's because of the audience there okay they, it's a netflix series for one so, so they obviously have like, yeah, I, like, they have a global I, market they have a global yeah. market that they're trying to draw in on netflix whereas the original maybe the original Yo, series if netflix told them they need to write this in a bingeable way mm-hmm. then fuck netflix and those people are <laughs> fucking wrong they, well, why thanks. why did they do this to ghost in the shell ghost in the shell did not deserve this <laughs> And it's and it's Kenji Kamiyama, same same director, same screenplay. So, so it's, it's it's either someone's pulling strings or it's you know what I mean. It's I mean I they ran out of ideas. I don't know. I mean I really liked it, so I binged it. So <laughs> they got me. Nothing <laughs> got me. I watched it. I watched it one episode a day, every day. Oh really? And no, I was like, this is like this is good. I like it. Let's watch four episodes at a time. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's go. So I, I want to go back to the new characters. Uh, Purin, that was the pink hair girl. Oh, Purin, yeah, no. I thought was acceptable, but it's, it's very like, it's very forced in my opinion. And so far as in the original show that it's, it's actually kind of, it's not a funny show, but like, and I was struck when I rewatched it last night, I don't remember it as being like funny or goofy at all, but there's actually like a lot of humorous dialogue and like people joking around and poking fun at each other in ways that are very realistic. It's like, that's really how coworkers talk to each other and shoot the shit with each other. And it doesn't make it like a 
funny show or something, but it's like in a, a realistic amount of lightheartedness. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the new show, it feels like, man, they really just threw this comic relief character in there because they needed some comic relief, but and like nobody else ever does anything that's funny at any point. And it's like, man, like they really just zapped all the life and fun out of these people. And we're like, know. oh shit, we fucked this up, man. Like better just put somebody funny in there real quick to try to salvage I mean, this situation. I mean, you could say that, but I also think in her own way, Kusanagi is being really funny by like showing up to meetings like 10 minutes early and invisible. So people can't see her, but she's there. Natachi Komos too, kind yeah, of. Yeah, Natachi. Oh my god, fucking Natachi! They get, they get. I see what you mean. Well, they show up in the office. They were in the oh. office, and they're like, "Oh, we're here already. We've been here." And the, yeah. well, the Tachi Komas are so, yeah, they're so interesting and, in the original. They're so not interesting here, in my opinion. Oh, but I think so the Tachi Komas, I think the Tachi Komas have have been. They are better. They they are the character that was most spared, you know, from from destruction to all the other characters you know they survived in this new ghost in the shell the best out of everyone the person that got the worst i mean all the all the kind of like other members of section nine got the worst you know like in in the original tv show all these people you know like saito and pazu like boma like granted is a relatively minor character in the original show but also is like it is obvious that he is, you know, kind of buddy buddy with Pazu and he's buddy buddy with Yoshikawa. And just by coincidence, those are not really the characters that are focused on. So we don't see that much of Boma, but he's like clearly a valued member of the team. In this new one, Boma is just a weird guy that stands there silently in a tracksuit and then every so often goes, oh, you know, it's like this. But like, the fuck are you even talking about, man? Like, you're the explosions expert. Like, what the? Do your get, job. This is right? terrible. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, they didn't uh, get a lot of screen time in this in this first twelve episodes, did they? Double no, star. and they and what they did the Togusa is outrageous. Oh, that is outrageous. <laughs> like, I he is he is my like first choice for like character that got screwed over the most because yeah, he's shit. absolutely nothing like himself. Yeah. Um. Why is Togusa? Bato, who looks more like a grandpa than a hot dad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, True. Where did my hot dad go? Okay. Like and, I fell in love with the hot dad. I feel like I feel like they they wrote Bato in the like most obvious and one-dimensional way, but they at least got the like broad direction correct. Togusa, I felt like, why is he using an automatic weapon? How the fuck did he get divorced? Like, why is he doing like Bruce Lee style, like whoa style martial <laughs> arts all of a sudden? Like, what the fuck is like? What yeah, the fuck was, happened yeah, to Togusa? I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the scene where they're like battling all the the mouthless eyeless whatever. Uh, yeah, hack was really off putting. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the biggest problem for me in the in the whole series was the anim- was the character animation. Yeah, I know. I, the rest it of it, because like everything else was looking great. It looks like a motherfucking PlayStation Two cutscene. It doesn't though. The backgrounds look fucking phenomenal. Look good. It's just look literally great. the character designs yeah. that aren't Kusanagi and Bato that look completely terrible. They don't well, fit. And the Tachikomas. The Tachikomas yeah. look like really good. 
in it. But it's not PS2. If you all have played a PS2, it does not <laughs> okay, well, fucking look like true. that. Hey, hey, no. I only, I owned I, a Sega Genesis owned, and a Dreamcast growing no, up. I never played a PlayStation no, 2. No, fucking I'm just PlayStation is my, PlayStation is my shit. it does not look like that it looks like even higher depth than like persona 5 okay so you're saying that this looks like playstation 3 this looks like playstation 5 that hasn't even released yet at least the backgrounds the character designs absolutely not that doesn't the character character animations are like standalone complex the first series if you watch the opening credits yeah but you know that's and it's like they just it's the same. This is from 2004. How are they? I mean, I feel like they focus way more on Kusanagi um, than any other character because I don't feel like she yeah. looks she looks bad at all. She looks fucking hot. Like I'll watch her walk I don't, away. I do not and like watch out of the door. Like walk out of the door every single you know, scene. I'm, Please I'm, walk out of that. Door. I am the fucking you know opposite. I, mean? I did not like the chibi cute major Kusanagi. Why well, I, I don't I I understand the idea that the major. Uh, is thematically this like kind of i mean the major is a closet freak you know like this is obvious in the manga she's portrayed like that in the manga and this is heavily hinted at in the original tv show like you're you're supposed to kind of surmise that she's a closet freak and that she comes across very well in the original tv show for as being this like you know kind of mature independent strong-willed woman she's like hot she dresses kind of edgy but also knows when to clean up and she's like a closet freak but also is like very formal and and puts on the a good public outward face you know uh and this new major kusanagi is like i don't know i do not like this like she looks too young and too beautified in a way that is very like the opposite of how she is portrayed in the TV show to me. Like she's suddenly, yeah. Like she's suddenly lost 10 years of age to her character design. You know, she no longer looks like a a grown professional woman. Compared to the original movie. Yeah. 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 Compared to the movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't like the, I don't want a cute chibi, you know, beautified major Kusanagi. I don't think that is a good way of representing her character. Mm. I feel like though she was pretty badass in in the Netflix like series. I don't feel like her looks portrayed her like or reflected her um, attitude. I feel like she still had the same attitude. Yeah, I, I think she, I think she, you know, again, kind of like Bato, they had the general idea, the like mm-hmm. broad stroke of the idea, but it's not fleshed out nearly as, as uh, detailed or, or nuanced as the original show. Yeah, I feel like they went like 100% on the backgrounds and animating the the action sequences and the backgrounds, but they went like well, it was 80% a wa- on the character designs. It was a waste of money mm. on the action sequences because the action sequences look like fucking shit. I, mean, I literally <laughs> laughed out loud when that guy started doing naked backflips up the stairway. Like, what the like, fuck is that? Like, what the fuck? Like, the choreography, straight up garbage. The that, animation that, didn't that look specific good to one me. Was but I really liked the robot dogs and all of the explosions. Mm. The, I think the night scenes look the best yeah. out of all the scenes. Like when they're in the day, 
you know, a day, a day scene, the, the characters didn't really fit in their environments. It was almost like they were like floating, you know, and they, they didn't have weight. And that's a huge problem when it, when it comes to 3d animation. And we just watched beast, um, beast stars. And oh, this is, this is shit like, compared to beast stars. Yeah. Yeah. Beast stars is way better. Beast stars is so much better. City so Orange needs better. to do the next version, or just don't do it in 3D next time. No, there's just not. I don't want any more Ghost in the Shell ever again. You know, it's kind of like when you do something this bad, just fucking stop and lay it to rest. You know, like yeah. or let Momoroshi really do it again. That? I guess maybe I don't really believe that because they did it this bad. Like New Berserk is this bad, but I would like to see Berserk done better. I don't want them to give up on the franchise just because mm. somebody screwed it up so bad. But I guess, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe they should go back and they should not try to redo the storyline or anything like that. But I would be open to more Ghost in the Shell that, yeah, was uh, was not this bad. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a new movie. I don't want a movie. I want to, so let's... Sorry. Well, I was going to say there's 12 more episodes in this show. This is only the first. Are season, we going right? to? So, are we, yeah, are we going to watch the next 12 episodes? I mean, to I'm going to watch that? it, but y'all don't have to. Okay. Cause I definitely won't. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think also, that, I feel like you would have at least liked the title of the first episode, Dan. No noise, no life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I strongly object to, to the character clown. And I'll tell you why. Because in the original show, they go to great lengths to explicitly and specifically talk about how difficult it is to recruit new members into Section 9. That is a major, I guess not a major plot point, but it is a meaningful side plot that they are trying to bring, you know, bolster the ranks of Section 9 and bring in new members Sorry, my computer's going fucking nuts. I, I got a weird virus because of watching the original Gundam movies on some weird bootleg website. Uh, and it gave my computer a virus that I've been combating with for the last couple of months. Fight the good fight, Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, what was I? God damn, fuck it. So I, I have like just a never ending stream of pop ups. You got to give yourself of, some adware. It's a mix of antivirus, porn, porn ads, and like weird, it, like it, internet search things. And like so and so sent you a message. So and so sent you pictures. <laughs> I'm like, fucking stop. <laughs> it just keeps, it keeps doing this continuously. Uh, this is the price I pay I hear it. watching. An- yeah, it's the price I pay for watching like weird bootleg. Yeah, watching anime on weird bootleg websites. But it's because for most of my life, I've I've never paid for any streaming service. I only watch stuff on put lockers and like oh, bitch, weird like dullclips.in and shit like that. No, I'll give you my login. I pay for all of them. Well, I just started paying for all like of them I, this year. I feel like I have to pay for all of them because of how much of a small library that I torrented back in the day. Oh God! <laughs> so Word, I, I feel started. I need to. I feel like I need to repent in paying for anime streaming <laughs> per month. Spare. 
Okay, so the character of Clown. So in the original show, it is a meaningful side plot that they are trying to bolster the ranks of Section 9, and they cannot find people that are up to snuff with everyone else. Like, they cannot find people qualified enough to keep pace with the members of Section 9, and they eventually settle on a couple of people, and one of them gets killed during a mission, and then they're like, oh, God, what have we done? Like, we should never have allowed these people into Section 9 because they're just not up to par with the rest of us. They can't do the things that we do. Um, And I'm watching Clown in this new series and wondering like did they just have a 180 from that attitude like this guy is clearly several steps below the rest of the team and everyone acknowledges that like why the fuck did they let him into the crew in the first place like what was the point and then when they just like they they beat the first post-human and then the major just like reprograms him, reprograms him to forget everything, and they just kind of toss him away. And then I was like, wait, even from a storytelling perspective, what was the fucking point of having this guy anyway? Like, he's not even a member of the team. Like, why the fuck was he even there? They just they just drop him on the on the fucking on a dime, you know? But why? Like, why was he even there in the first place? He, if he was a member of the team. Why didn't they bring him with them? If he wow. wasn't, then why the, the fuck was he even there? The the like clumsy guy that yeah, like sets yeah. the robot off. Yeah. Hmm. It's like it just seems like this weird, awkward for like it was kind of like, okay, we need a new character. And they were like, all right, we're going to force this guy in there. But then, okay, we got another new character coming right around the corner so we can ditch that first guy. I was like, well, okay, now we ditch him. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, then what was the fucking point? What's the point of any of it? I don't Just... have an answer for that. <laughs> that one was per- this kind of dumb. I mean, he was, he was in the beginning a new member who also didn't have enough experience. Yeah. So I guess that's why they killed him off. He, he was either supposed to rise to the occasion or flounder. And in this case, he floundered. So they just let him go. Yeah, I mean... And they were like, bitch, you're not Section 9 material, so bye bye And then yeah. they were like, oh, wait, this cute little um, pink-haired girl who went to grad school at MIT and hacked into all of these places that, you know, like we didn't think about hacking into and found all the information for us that we need to go kill these post-humans with. Like, thank you very much. You can be a part of Section 9 <laughs> unofficially. And well, also but, tame the Tachikomas because they well, need to be tamed. <laughs> yeah, so she, she is, so she wears the red uniform that the support staff wear. And, you know, in the original series, they have a dedicated support, support staff that, uh, and I, I say support staff in the sense that they are the Tachikoma technicians. Mm-hmm. And they, they, there is one specific guy that is the boss of the Tachikoma technicians who is on screen in the new series. When they first come back to Japan, they mm-hmm. do show this guy on screen for a couple seconds. And you know it's him because he's got gla- certain kind of glasses and he's got longer hair. And it is definitely him. And all the support staff wear these red uniforms just like Kurin does. You know, Purin is clearly part of the support staff that takes care of the Tachikomas. She just oversteps her bounds a little bit and kind of like, 
you know, finds her own way into the invest investigation angle because she's, you know, just that energized and committed and whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, wants to be a part of the action. And I can understand that. I, I am sympathetic to the idea of new character joins the support staff and kind of oversteps her bounds and finds her way into the investigation aspect. I have no idea why she's fist fighting a guy in his underwear in an alleyway <laughs> who randomly points her to a door <laughs> that she opens and she walks in to be greeted by a giant fish guy. You know, I don't know what the fuck is up with that. Like the fuck is up with this show's weird. Like every Whoa. episode really ought to have somebody in their underwear because there's nothing more ghost in the shell than people in their underwear. You see that all over the franchise at every, you know, every given moment, there's somebody comically in their underwear for no reason. Mm. Like <laughs> the fuck is up with that, man? Like who fucking thought that was a good idea? <laughs> the fish King. Well, Kusanaki was like watching her while she was doing all that. I don't know why she didn't stop her, like step in oh. or anything like that. Well, and the weird teacher <laughs> who took that that took that uh, the fourteen year old girl into the classroom. Oh yeah, and she fuck ran that. out in her fuck underwear. That side plot. I was I like, don't, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I yeah. The last so the last episodes <laughs> eleven and twelve just straight up didn't make any. No, I guess like not yeah, at all. didn't didn't make any sense to me, and I kind of understood the idea. Like the original show does have these more like weird metaphysical episodes. And I'm thinking specifically of in second gig, the episodes that talk about the major's backstory and the one where they're doing the training mission, where they have to surveil the major and the major disappears into this like weird, mysterious building where, and you explore her backstory through like kind of inferences and metaphors and whatnot. And there's a lot of like, stuff that doesn't make sense in, in so far as like, you know, if the show is very realistic, these moments break that realism in a certain way. And, and I under, I think I understood that these two episodes were supposed to be like more leaning in that direction. And, and I can accept that. I do think that they were so poorly executed that while second gig, when they did this, it was very emotive and it felt mysterious and it gave you kind of an atmosphere and an emotion based on that mysteriousness and based on that break from reality with this new one i felt like i was just confused because of the break of reality i didn't feel any kind of emotion or atmosphere getting built up i was just like i don't i don't understand what I'm seeing on the screen or like what it is I'm supposed to be getting from all of this. Like what, what exactly is the metaphor I'm looking for? Or like what, what is being explained to me by this sequence? I don't know. I never, yeah, I didn't really understand what it was all going for. And then Togusa just randomly disappears. He gets on a truck and goes off to nowhere, but Bato can't see him, but the Tachikomas can. And again, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I think I understand this is supposed to give me a feeling of mysteriousness and atmosphere and like, Oh my God, what's going on. But instead I'm just like, oh, uh, uh, what is going on? I don't the, get it. Like the fuck is, why, why is this happening? The paratroopers specifically, yeah. like the whole, the segment and sort of like the flashback, I guess it's supposed to be a flashback into why this high school student is hacking people. Like why yeah. he even created this software or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, I guess it's supposed to lead somewhere. 
we would only yeah, hope. Yeah, I mean, like, I get that he is supposed to be a post-human, and that's who they're going after. Yeah, and Takashi. They needed to, I guess, I guess, like, humanize him a little bit before they take him to post-human, is what I'm getting from this. Like, they need, they needed to show to us that he cares about people, or he once cared about people that he loved, and that the reason why he's acting the way he does now is because why he made the program is because of the things that happened to him in his past. Mm -hmm. However, I don't feel like they made that connection very well. That wasn't very clear um, in the sequences that he was in. Plus like, fuck that guy's hair animation. What the fuck kind of hair is that? Uh, what, what bothered Literally, me? The nobody has that hair in real life. What I'm bothered like, me? offended that his face is so small. And his hair is so big. It offends me. So what, what I was most bothered by was his voice actor. I felt like his voice actor had the voice of a squeaky five-year-old, but mm. it was put in like a middle schooler's body. So it was like, I was expecting like not an adult male's voice, but like, I don't know, a voice of a, ma a male person rather than this like weird squeaky child. You watched the dub? No, right. the, 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 in Japanese. Japanese, yeah. Okay. I don't think the dub for this is released. The dub is it now. Is. It did get yeah. released like halfway through the um the like weeks that we were watching it, but I watched oh, it all okay. in Japanese. Yeah, um, I watched it all in Japanese. So I'm the only one who watched it in, in dub English. Okay. Okay. We're... I was gonna watch it in English, but then I didn't want to rewatch the episodes I already right. watched in Japanese because like the English dub and the um like. Uh, mouth syncing was completely terrible and awful and i could absolutely not handle it um because like japanese language is inherently like you don't have to use your mouth to speak it's like better to produce the syllables if your mouth doesn't move as much so i get like the 3d thing and like the mouth syncing in the japanese uh version of it but at the same time like i feel like 3D is like too smooth for like mouth movement. And that's just like in any 3D show I've, I've seen, like the characters can talk, but the smoothness of like the CG just like doesn't work with like how lips work and how like tongues move. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially because like CG is supposed to be like high def, right? Like you're supposed to be able to see things that you don't normally see with like 2D animation. So like, um, I feel like they should make more of an effort to mimic how a mouth actually moves and how like tongues move to produce syllables, which like they just like completely ignored in this one. In section nine, they talk to each other, you know, through their oh, cyber brains. Oh my God. Okay, yeah. Can we please talk about that? Because like in the original, in the original movie, it's very clear when someone is speaking through their like cyber brain or through like the internet or whatever yeah, yeah. Network. it's and like in that this in the one, show too in this in this adaptation i cannot tell who is speaking through their cyber brain who is like interconnected to the network or hers or who is speaking out loud because their voices their mouths are moving or not moving in like specific moments that any sense whatsoever like if people are speaking through their brain then why are your lips moving in real life they should not be moving and i feel like they like were like mm, well we didn't do that great of like a character design so like let's just make their mouths move all the time <laughs> yeah uh, in the original 
TV show, they solve this problem by throwing a couple of, of reverb effects on, on their voices yeah, they when they're talking in, through in cyber brains. Too. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. That makes it clear cut as to what's going on. I, I personally didn't have that much trouble tracking that that angle of it with the new with this Netflix show, but now you're making me think. I don't know. Maybe maybe I did. Maybe I actually didn't know what was going on. For all I know. Yeah, I mean, like it wasn't like it wasn't like. It wasn't as artfully done. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But it's also like it's not like that big of a deal. It's just like something that I noticed. Like they would be speaking through their network to each other during a mm. mission but then like their mouths are moving at the same time and i'm like guys if you're speaking out loud you're gonna get found out so why are you speaking out loud but then yeah. like it's not clear if they're speaking out loud or if they're speaking for their mental brain mm. so hello some clarification please let's get yeah, some I also, on that i also want more clarification on what perpetual war has to do with all this stuff because that was seemed to be an important thematic and plot point in the first four episodes before the uh before they got scooped up by the cia and and the post humans were introduced but also like again it, it just seems needlessly absurd to me that like well, there's a bunch of college guys in football gear <laughs> that are firing rockets at our crew, you know, like, uh, why, like, what the fuck happened that <laughs> suddenly like, why are they wearing football gear? Like, yeah, right. What, that was confusing. What? <laughs> and I, I, I originally thought that the first, ep- the first episode, first two episodes were set in the middle East or Iraq or somewhere. No, they're set in like LA. And, and they're in fucking Palm Springs, California. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what the yeah. hell is going on? Actually, actually, actually it's really funny. I know someone that lives in Palm Springs, California. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what is happening right now? Yeah, a war torn California, United States. It's just like, well, I guess, you know, we ran out of money and so there was a simultaneous collapse of the, of the economy, right? Worldwide. So now we have to create an economy based on war, which we kind of already do in the first place, right? Yeah. That's yeah. not that's not really a new, th- thematically, that's not new. Uh, so, yes, well, this it's is a little true. flat. We, right? yeah, we do currently live in a state of perpetual war where our economy and our daily lives are not like full on revolving around perpetual war, but are like greatly influenced by perpetual war. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we feel the effects in our daily lives by virtue of how much money gets sunk into to the military that could otherwise be sunk into, you know, education and healthcare and making life better for the average person. Um, but I, yeah, I, still don't understand especially if this is supposed to be kind of a follow-on from second gig you know what maybe i maybe that should just be abandoned altogether in my mind that these are at all supposed to be connected because in second gig the american empire is standing pretty fucking strong mm-hmm. and is is like a clear global dominant force In this show, we get the sense that America still has a 
great deal of, of international force and reputation. I mean, they can march their Mr. John Smith CIA guy straight into the, you know, Japanese prime minister's house and have them start bossing around the Japanese prime minister. And mm-hmm. everybody thinks that low key, the Japanese prime minister, since he's American born, is actually an American puppet. Uh, that's explicitly stated in the show that everyone low-key thinks this. Uh, So we can surmise that America is still supposed to be a powerful political and military force. But if that were true, then why the fuck are there guys in football outfits rolling around Palm Springs and Humvees firing fucking machine guns at random people? Like, where's the fucking rule of law and, and monopoly of force in the United States if they're supposed to be that fucking powerful? Yeah, it's a little confusing. I think it's a nod. It's definitely a nod to uh, 1984. And they even have the book in one of the episodes. Yeah. To Perpetual War. That's that's one of the themes in that book. So it kind of, it's like, well, let's take the most well-known science fiction, like dystopic novel, and let's just pull things out of that. And we'll just use that as as an excuse for a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I kept thinking about... Um, Oh, it's a show. Um, I just drew my uh, psychopaths and sort of the themes in that show. I think psychopaths is just a, a better show, the first season at least, than this series. Yeah. Yeah. Like, by by Miles. Yeah. Just, maybe the second go season too. Every, every part, everything I have seen of psychopaths is better than this Netflix garbage. But that said, I my final thoughts are I didn't ha- I didn't hate it because I was able to get through it. Maybe because I'm doing it for this show. Maybe that's the impetus. But I found myself more or less binging it, and I wanted to know what happened next, even though it was difficult to watch at times. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm sort of talking between. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but I also like, I kind of, I guess going into it, I didn't, I don't have as much uh, relationship with this, the original TV series or anything else leading up to this point. So I kind of feel like it's not comparable to anything else in the franchise, but I also like take it as like a, like its own thing. Like if, Ghost in the Shell wasn't, if the name Ghost in the Shell wasn't attached to it, I feel like more people would like it more. But because Ghost in the Shell is attached to it and it is like you remove Ghost in the Shell from it as like a cyberpunk like um, dystopia, it isn't bad. But just because Ghost in the Shell is attached to the name is why I feel like we have all these feelings towards it. These are characters that we've grown to love. These are characters that, like, you know, we've seen on multiple different levels and we've seen it done in better ways than this is why we hate this version. Yes, I agree. as, as Mm. As its own, like, if I don't think about it in the Ghost in the Shell franchise, like, I, I kind of see, like, I mean, like, I liked it, so. I, mean, I, I would also find this more enjoyable and acceptable if it was not a Ghost in the Shell product and these were just completely different characters going through this same plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, 
Yeah. Why was that not done to begin with? I mean, and that is a broader point that, you know, is beyond just the scope of Ghost in the Shell specifically, but in general, like why do, you know, Furikuri and any number of franchises, why do we, you know, create new iterations of these franchises just to fuck them up? I mean, the answer is because these are beloved franchises that have a built-in audience. So if you make a new iteration of this franchise, there is a guaranteed audience for it. So you're like more likely to have a commercial success uh but you know it's a shame yeah it's a shame that we live in this weird capitalist world that is so dictated by money because we would have far more artistic success if we could just break away from this idea that everything has to be you know lopped into you know forced into these uh, these franchises that where where we don't really see any benefit from that like the show does not benefit from being a ghost in the shell show it's yeah. actually meaningfully worse for being a ghost in the shell show because it's so glaringly obvious how bad it is by forcing a comparison to other iterations of ghost in the shell a lot of this stuff could be forgiven if this was just its own thing it's like you know why why do i hate this naked man backflipping <laughs> 50 times in a row up a stairway, you know, because that doesn't fucking happen in Ghost in the Shell. But if this wasn't a Ghost in the Shell show, I might think that's pretty entertaining, isn't it? Like the absurdity is certainly there. It got a laugh out of me, you know. Is it a nod to the whole idea, like the whole innocence part of where they're dolls flipping around? Is that the, I'm just thinking about it now. I mean, nobody breaks apart in the series, so I'm like kind of upset about that. Like, even the maids don't break apart. (laughs) Like, come on. That's like a classic ghost on the shell thing. Does anyone break apart? No! Their heads explode. (laughs) Yeah, their heads, they they do have exploding heads. Fucking boxer. Their wings are supposed to come apart and they're supposed to turn into weird spidery creatures that are made of robotic parts. Like that's what's supposed to happen. You know, I I also, so before we we finish up, if we're going to finish up, I also want to talk a little bit more about Togusa and yeah, what, why did they do this to Togusa? It is, it is so thematically important that Togusa uses that old style six shooter and that is that is explicitly discussed multiple times in the original show, and it like it is so thematically important that Togusa is a family man with a wife and child, which is also explicitly talked about at various points in the original show. You know, there's a lot, there's there's a section where Togusa starts to second guess his involvement with Section Nine. He's like, "Why the fuck am I even here?" You know, like I'm everyone else is fully cybernized and and they're so much stronger and faster and have more processing power than me. And like, you know, like I can't keep up with everybody. What is my purpose here? And the major sits him down and it is straight up like if we you know, if every single person here is cyberized, then we become too specialized and being too one dimensional is, you know, that would uh, that that is a weakness. And so we need the variety. We need you as the average working man to foil the rest of us, you know, to be our, our, uh, kind of counterpart, you know, 
that like, you know, we need at least one person that's not cyberized because if everybody's cyberized, that leaves us open because we're one dimensional. We need somebody that doesn't rely on, on all this technology and stuff. We need somebody that is a normal civilian person to give us a normal civilian perspective because none of us are able to provide that, you know, in this team. So like that is your role here is to kind of do the things that the rest of us can't do. Like you are the best civilian, you know, detective from the police force. That's why we scooped you up because we need someone that can liaison with civilian people that can do normal ass detective work and you kind of knows that angle of the system in a way that none of us do. And that seems to just go totally out the window in this new series. And yeah, again, with the six shooter, you know, Toga said, talks a lot about, you know, like he gets guff, he gets guff from Bato, he gets guff at various points from the major, like, oh, why don't you just use an automatic weapon, you know, and, and Toga says, specifically says, like, well, automatic weapons jam sometimes, this old trusty six shooter I, I can depend on this. Ain't nothing going to go wrong with this thing. I can, you know, all your, all your guys, fancy guns and uh, they might shoot faster. They might shoot bigger. They might shoot harder, but there's always, you know, the more complex it is, the more there's a chance that something might go wrong with it. This trusty six shooter, like, yeah, okay. I'll carry around all, all these other guns, but I always got to have the six shooter on me as my last resort because I know that ain't nothing. This thing ain't going to jam. It ain't going to break. There ain't nothing yeah. going to go wrong with this thing. He's holding then, on to the old world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. It's like a metaphor for Toga says, you know, that's his link to the civilian world and to normalcy and to uh, kind of the old, you know, his his being outside the higher levels of technology that everyone else in Section 9 is so immersed in. And they value him for that. You know, they never, uh, they never, I mean, they like, jokingly give him guff at various points but they never really frown upon him or treat him as being less than anyone else on the team they value that he can provide that angle to everyone they treat him as an equal and in this new one yeah in the first episode first thing he does is pop out an automatic you know semi-automatic handgun and i was like what the fuck like <laughs> why like there there goes his whole character and his whole you know theme and his whole meaning yeah. His whole role in Section 9 just goes out the window instantly. And it's like, man, that's that's not some like weird little detail that that somebody glossed over. That's like a major discussion point throughout the original TV show. And it certainly must have been a meaningful – like it is a intended decision to not bring that into the new Netflix show. Like someone somewhere specifically said – I, I'm positive of it because I cannot imagine that they live in this fucking vacuum where they have no idea what happened in the original television show. But somebody at some point said, okay, Togusa no longer has the six shooter. He's getting an automatic weapon. And at first, and that's what I was texting you guys at the time. At first I was like, all right, we have this like new darker Togusa. He's divorced. He uses automatic weapons. Now he's, you know, he's in a dark <laughs> place in his life. He's edgy now. He's like, he's like in a dark place. You know, he's tough. You know, he's, he's harder now. It's like, well, okay. Like that's not really the way I want to see Togusa portrayed, but okay. I can understand this idea that like, this is the new dark, tough, Togusa. Sure. Tries a, a Camaro. Yeah. And then they <laughs> proceed to do absolutely nothing with that angle of Togusa. Like at no point is this explored in his character. At no point is this ever referenced by anyone. 
Like nobody, like he just kind of goes about his plot in this kind of one dimensional way that everybody else does. And, you know, again, as we talk about how the major and Bato have been condensed to these like weird one dimensional cardboard cutouts of themselves, but at least they got the broad strokes of these people, you know, more or less correct. It's like, okay, they have intentionally missed the broad stroke of Togusa, but then they also have him as a weird cheap cardboard cutout character with no personality and no like theme or role in this and like but, but why like you've given yourself this opportunity for growth and exploration and then just not done anything with it because you can't write for shit it's it, <laughs> it's mean, a fucking disaster <laughs> i don't have i don't have that connection with togusa as much as you do but i can i i want to say like they're trying with the last couple episodes giving him this insight into this like hacker's mind and like making him able to see what happened to this boy as like a young person and maybe bringing the family aspect back around in that respect just because the kid did like lose kind of like a little sister to him and I'm sure that he had like what a wife and kids right Mm -hmm. So he would have a little bit more investment in this post-human um, because the post-human is from such a young age and had this like tragic event happen in his past. Yeah. But I'm not saying I like it. I'm just I think, arguing against it. <laughs> I think the, the, if someone was watching this show and they really, or if someone was listening to this podcast and they really wanted to understand how this show is so much worse than the original show, what I would do is I would watch the bank robbery episodes from this <laughs> new show and the original show and compare and contrast. Because both of these, both the original show and this Netflix show have episodes that center around someone from Section 9 getting caught up in a bank robbery and the new show is Bato getting stuck in a bank robbery, and they kind of broadly touch on a little bit of the thematic idea of the global economy has crashed and screwed over all these people, which is something that is like slightly hinted at in the first couple episodes, but is not really touched upon. And I'm not really clear what exactly I'm getting from everyone just being in this like economic depression and struggling to survive. And Bato like kind of navigates his way through the situation in a way that like he clearly has sympathy with the people around him. And it's like not exactly lighthearted or and it's not certainly not joyful, but it's like a little bit pleasing or, or fulfilling in a way that like Bato rather than turn these people in, he like helps them carry off this bank robbery and screw over the bank manager and compare that to the bank robbery episode in the original show where Chief Aramaki gets stuck in a bank robbery situation and he talks, he's like there with his ex-girlfriend. So there's like this weird, rom not weird, but there's like an interesting romantic subplot that's going on with this episode. And he has these long-winded discussions with the bank robbers and he like evaluates the situation with the police response and teases out this like crazy, uh, slightly intricate um, 
a conspiracy plot where the bank and the police are like committing fraud to, you know, in this corruption thing. And he kind of teases it all out and comes up with this strategy about how everybody can survive when the police raid and try to kill the bank robbers. And it's really action packed. And there's like a lot of uh, kind of conspiracy and, and mystery to sink your teeth into and it was like very artfully constructed, like all the different emotions and different plot points mm. that get crammed into just 25 minutes of screen time. And it, it is like a night and day difference in my opinion. And I, I really felt that when I was watching the Netflix show, when I got to that episode, I was like, man, this is a pale shadow in comparison to, you know, Aramaki's bank robbery episode. Mm. It makes you wonder, like, what production time they have on these shows. You know, like, you, you think it takes years to produce one season of a show like this, right? Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder if these new Netflix series are like, here, here's a, a certain amount of money. There's $10 million. Go make this show. And get and it done soon. Just get it done as fast as you can. Yeah. And whatever you get, you get. And... <laughs> We'll bring in some original writers and directors and hope huh. for the best sort of thing. You yeah, know? I, I had not considered the idea that a fast-paced schedule was to blame for these things rather than the incompetence of the people that make them. Yeah, I mean, like, I can I can feel that on, on like, an art, an art level there. Are, and especially going through a rigorous, like, two-year art school, where you have deadlines that, you know, that need to be met within a week and you need to flesh out an idea. You need to do sketches. You need to do like pre-drawing. You need to do drawing. You need to do like an underpainting and a painting and a final touches kind of situation. And it's an oil painting. So you need to make sure that all of that's done within like three days before it's due so that it has time to dry so that Mm. the teacher isn't touching your painting while it's wet and moving things around. So I get that in a sense of like, if you're an animator and giving a, a budget and a time limit and trying to produce a series in an, in an artful way and like with integrity, like I can see where these, these series like Ghost in the Shell and like Fully Coolie like would come about because you're on a time crunch. You don't have enough time to flesh it out. And, you know, you take the easiest route or like the most approachable route that you can think of. So you're saying that I should cast my righteous anger and indignation on Netflix. Yes, you should. You, you I am going to make a middle fingers to Netflix. Yeah, I'm going to make a Twitter account just (laughs) to tweet at Netflix that I fucking hate them for doing this to Ghost in the Shell. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not canceling their service. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pay for the service. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm not going to cancel the service, unfortunately. I mean, I still need to watch. Uh, I still need to, you know, rewatch Tiger. Um, what's that series? <laughs> Tiger, Tiger, Tiger King. King. <laughs> I still need to rewatch that. You know, I need to be able to like shit on Netflix. So I need to pay for their <laughs> subscription service. <laughs> I mean, I shit it on Netflix for like three months because they wouldn't give me revisions. And it's the only show that on Netflix that I like actually wanted to watch. And they just yeah. would not give it to me. It's the same thing with BNA because you know, is the newest trigger show and they will not give it to us. And I just 
need some furry action in my life. These stars made a made a hole, and I need to fill it with some more fantastic fox action. Yeah, are are guys in in the melancholy of Taku Club? Wait, what were they called again? <laughs> misery. The misery. Otaku club. melancholy. Otaku, yeah, our guys in Otaku Melancholy were talking about um, brand new animal being on Netflix. It is I guess on Netflix. I, yeah, I guess I understood that it is going to be a Netflix show. Yeah. Uh, is it currently released? It is already released in Japan. So, like, you could. It's in Japan. Yeah. But not like, here. Could, not here. So you could like you could like say that you're from Japan in your Netflix account and watch it, but it wouldn't have subtitles or anything. So when's it, it, it is coming here though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like Just Netflix. Yeah. It seems okay. like Netflix releases things six months to a year after something has already aired. Word. And I think they're getting, I think in previous years it's been that, but I think they're getting a little bit better at like releasing it sooner to the American audience or the U S audience or North America or whatever, but it's still, when I see that the show's been picked up by Netflix, I like cry in silence because I know I'm not getting it that season or maybe even the season after. Mm. And, you know, like yeah. we're in a world where if you don't watch the newest things right now, people aren't talking about it. True. Yes, truth. Yeah. Um, closing thoughts. <laughs> Dan? Dan, have you have you have you said yeah. enough yet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what do I yeah, how do I <laughs> sum this up into my final thoughts? Yeah. So it is despicable what Netflix has done to this show. And they should be blamed by everyone for committing this atrocity to what is otherwise a pretty reasonable franchise with a lot of highlights. They've definitely made the worst animated iteration of ghost in the shell. I have no idea why they thought this was a good idea. And I just hope they stop. Just, Netflix, please stop. Just stop. <laughs> I'm pleading on my knees. Please you know, stop. like in this world where there are starving people and environmental destruction and, you know, we're on the precipice of so many awful things that affect the future of, of you know, our culture and society here on Earth. Why resources have been placed precious resources have been placed on this show like why are people not why are these people wasting their time with this fucking show when they could be spending it with their families like i would i would rather the staff that worked on this show just be paid to sit at home with their families and not make this show you know just just pay them to not make the show i would i would yeah that's money better (laughs) spent just stop Netflix. Don't do this anymore. Has every iteration of Ghost in the Shell been production IG? Because production IG did this one and standalone and the original TV. 
and Iraq. Yeah, what the fuck happened to production IG? Because the yeah, yeah. they're they're also to blame. And then they also fuck up the new Furikuri too. Did they? Well, Did they, they were... have a history of fucking up shows because they literally <laughs> fucked up Fully Cooly. Like, yeah. I am I am appalled at Fully Cooly. I used to love production IG, man. Yeah, well, that's the like, thing. I, I think of too. I think of production IG as being a pretty reasonable type company that that makes reasonable anime. But between this and Furikuri, you know, like what the fuck happened over there? Like, what are these people thinking? And I know what they're thinking. They're thinking like money, hey, money, can, money, money. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, we can make <laughs> some big bucks by turning out some more products for these franchises. And it's yeah. like, you know, it, they are responsible for Froly Cooly. I encourage everyone yeah. to not watch, like, don't watch this Ghost in the Shell. You know, if I could take away my views so that this show had less views on Netflix, then I would because the less views they get, the less support they feel, the less apt they are to do more with it. And that is the ultimate goal is to get them to fucking stop committing these atrocities to art. Um, I would also like to point out that they did Psychopaths. Yeah, Psychopaths mm. is really good. And unfortunately for us, uh, especially Jeff, they are also doing the new Uzumaki. Uh, so they have the potential very, to fuck it up. Yeah, very suspicious. Makes you wonder that there's two. You know how a lot of popular studios they they break up and they yeah. become like I need. Nice. There's like two separate like factions that do all the shitty shit, yeah. and then there's like the one that does like the nice stuff. I, I, I think your A team and your B team. The case in this. <laughs> <laughs> they did do the original Ghost in the Shell uh, TV mm. series, so. I will say that I. I wouldn't recommend this series to anyone who has not watched Ghost in the Show. And for anyone who's interested in Ghost in the Show, just watch the original movie, start there. Or watch a couple episodes of the original uh, Standalone Complex series. And just hold off on watching this by all means. (laughs) Uh, I'll probably end up finishing it because I kind of just want to see how it ends. And I like some of the background animations and sets. So it's, it's not all bad. The, the music, though, uninspiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's another awful. good point. Yeah. I, the, feel like the, I feel like the opening animation is, like, spot on. Like, I enjoyed the animation part of it, but I absolutely don't understand the song. Yeah, and uh, soundtrack is another really good point that we hadn't brought up, but the soundtrack to the original TV shows is fucking incredible. It is so perfect. Those song, like, the composition, the songs themselves, like, I listen to them on my own time. I literally think they are just engaging music in and of themselves, and especially in the context of the show, they are placed and arranged perfectly they always complement what's happening on screen they add to the emotion and the feeling of what's happening on screen the sound like yeah soundtrack perfect in the original tv show i don't remember anything about the soundtrack to the new show Uh, half the time i felt like it wasn't even there because either it was silent or it was just mixed really really low so i like just didn't get anything out of it Yoko Kano is responsible for 
that soundtrack from the TV show. And mm. she hasn't done a bad soundtrack to an anime. Yeah. She did Bebop. You know, yeah, like that's just, what I thought. Yeah. She's, she's, she's a master. Great. Yeah, yeah, she's wonderful. And Kenji Kawai did the movie series with Momoroshi. They always work together. Um, and a matter of fact, they have a new series coming out in the near future. Um, it's called Vlad. Mm. Uh, so if you like the original movie and the soundtrack to that, that series will be out hopefully soon. Yeah, I would watch that. That sounds good. Um, but yeah, so uh, and I, okay. So my last point that I want to make is that watching it on a HD TV, it's uh, 4K, and you have surround sounds, right? This the, watching it like that was what held me together watching the show. And I watched it. I watched a couple of episodes on my uh, my iMac, and I was not immersed at all. Uh, everything looked flat. It's just you can see the compression things. Well, of course, you, that's going to happen on a, on a streaming service. But um, if you're going to watch the show, watch it on a nice TV if you have it. And like, I think the sound effects were great, but the music, like we said before, shit. Um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about the show. Uh, Amelia, what do you? <sighs> so. I feel like if you're going to watch any ghost in the show, start with a fucking movie. What's the point of going any further? If you're going to, if you're going to Google watch order of ghost in the shell, it's going to point you to the movie. And I feel like for me, that was it. That universe that, you know, I guess time period, I guess like however the cards fell for the movie for me is totally it. And I was totally engrossed in the movie. Um, the series, not so much, but that doesn't mean the series is bad. It's just not my personal taste in anime, like watching a bunch of episodes at a time. Um, but if you are a new, like if you're completely new to the series, I feel like the Netflix adaptation hits everything that the series or the movie hits just in like one percent of that <laughs> it's only like one percent <laughs> like it's not like completely terrible because it does hit like the political aspects and the um the baseline character development but and it does world build in that kind of the sense of ghost in the shell but i mean the movie the movie was it. So why would you watch anything else? This is the watered down version of everything goes in the show. It is the dollar <laughs> cocktail that gets you not drunk at all. <laughs> no matter how much you drink. No matter I how much. I'm not drunk. <laughs> this is the uh, Paps Blue Ribbon. Yes. Uh, Natty Bow of... I would watch it streaming, but I would absolutely never put my hands on it if it came out to DVD. No, don't buy it. I would never buy this. Maybe in the bargain bin of uh, Walmart. Maybe. If it was a $1 bargain bin, not even a $5 <laughs> bargain bin. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I could, I could, I could think of so many other things to watch than the Netflix version of Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> All 
I only, you know, we only live, you know, what, 70, 80 years. And I've just spent, you know, what, six hours of my life watching this fucking show. <laughs> six hours, I'll never get back. You know, I could have could have been doing more push-ups. Could have cooked myself a nice dinner. <laughs> a really no. nice dinner. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Otaku Host Club. We hope you enjoyed our review of the new Ghost in the Shell series that's on Netflix. Please leave us a comment or review on our website, which you can find at otakuhostclub.com. We will see you in the next one. Donuts. Oh. 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 Donuts. Oh.